Now, the, the challenge for technology, high IQ, gifted people is they love to tell, not listen. And what it takes to pull this off is just the opposite. You have to stop telling and start listening. You're listening to the AngleFreeIT.com podcast. IT career and culture advice without an angle. And now your host, the guy who is driven crazy on a daily basis from outsourced recruiters, Preston Kilburn. Hey, navigators. So thanks for tuning in today. I am really excited to share my next guest with you. Um, he's someone that I've known for many years um, and someone whose advice I really value and really trust and pretty upfront and honest. And that's one thing that I really love about him. You know, when I was sort of searching to find my way in security, I actually, I reached out to him and he took time out of his day to sort of set me on the path a little bit and tell me how to reach out to people and, and, you know, gain some more wisdom. So so our guest today is Jeff Snyder, and he is Jeff Snyder of Jeff Snyder Coaching and SecurityRecruiter.com. Now, I got to know Jeff, you know, he was always coaching, and he's always provided coaching, you know, in a sense to his um, candidates that he would recruit for, but he has uh, begun, you know, coaching, I guess, purposefully maybe that's that's the right word i'm sure jeff has a, an amazing word for that but um and i've begun to work with him there as well because he's awesome so without further ado jeff thanks for joining us well thank you so just to to let people know a little bit about you you know in in a few minutes you know how did you get to where you're at in your career today Great question, and I can do this in two minutes. Okay. I stumbled into IT recruiting in 1990, and they had to teach me how to spell COBOL. <laughs> I recruited programmers and network administrators and so forth, and I stumbled into information security in 1997 with one of the big four firms, well, big four now, I think there were six or eight of them back then. Um, I filled that job with one candidate and a light bulb went off and I thought, uh, maybe this security thing might be real. So around 1999, I registered and created securityrecruiter.com. And from that point forward, uh, I've done kind of all things security, risk, compliance, privacy, threat. Uh, for a while, I recruited IT auditors. Um, and I actually recruited it all over the world. So lots of things that I never expected, uh, but some pretty cool things have happened because I took that leap into what is now cybersecurity just over 20 years ago. Nice. Nice. Awesome. I like that intro. So, okay. So a lot of what I get questions when I'm helping people 
uh, especially because they know I'm, you know, in security. Uh, so, you know, if somebody was entering into IT today or they wanted to pivot into IT and they wanted to go into security, what, what does the market look like? What do you think people should focus on learning first? Okay. Well, that's a double-sided coin. The technical side is the side that's going to get a person into security. So anything someone can do to build IT skills and then start securing those IT skills. Um, it's not very scientific, but that's how people tend to stumble into a, a security role in the company that they're already in. When someone's in IT, they go out and get some training, maybe a couple of certifications, and they try to go find a security job. It's always a catch-22. You can't get the job until you have the experience. So the best place to get that experience is to plant yourself in an organization where you, you, you get to stumble into security kind of the way I did. It wasn't a planned maneuver. A client of mine called, said, can you find this skill set? My answer was, sure. And I turned around and talked to my best uh, the best people I knew who had those technical skills, and they helped me to write up that job. So that was 20 years ago. And the truth is, we're still kind of in the Wild West when it comes to this thing called cybersecurity or whatever people want to call it. I don't care. The, the challenge of getting into it is if you don't have the technical hands-on skills to go along with whatever training someone might have talked you into, it's an awfully tough nut to crack. Yeah. And that was, you know, that was very much my experience. Um, I, I fell into security myself because uh, I was doing some networking stuff overseas and <laughs> we started working with a governmental agency that was asking us how we were prepared if they sent in their pen testers. And I was like, what's a pen tester? I don't know what that is. Let's talk about this a little bit. <clears throat> so... So say I'm in IT or I'm just getting in IT. Let's let's talk about you know skill building and and interviews, right? So if I have you know maybe a little bit of experience or I have a lot of experience, what is it that you find people struggle with when you refer them, you know, to when you refer a candidate into a job? Like what commonly causes people to bomb an interview? Are you referring to a, a phone interview or a face-to-face -face interview? Well, let's do both. Let's start with phone. Okay. Well, I used to have a very complex uh, preparation approach that I gave to my candidates for phone interviews until one day someone got on the phone with one of my clients. I knew my client very, very well. I knew it was going to be a 30-minute interview. I knew on my client's side, they would have three people sitting around a conference table around a conference phone versus the one person sitting at home in front of his telephone. 
And I told that person exactly what he needed to do, not what he needed to say. That's not my job. But I laid out the, the flow of what that interview process was going to look like. I let him know there would be six questions over 30 minutes. Here's where the problem started. The first question was asked. He did not listen to the question. At the 13-minute mark, he was answering his own question. That's 13 minutes out of 30. There's still five questions left. So as my my client explained to me, one of the guys at the table um, ran his finger across his neck as though to say, cut this. And they went on to the second question. Well, at the 16-minute mark, the candidate was interviewing, or I'm sorry, answering the second question. Well, there's still more questions and the time timer is dying. So at the at the 17 minute mark, my phone rang. I looked at the caller ID. It wasn't my client, it was the candidate. And I knew something was wrong because it, it's always a 30 minute interview block. So I was expecting him to call at 32 minutes or something like that. Yeah. Well, when I circled back with my client, what I found out is the candidate came in and basically gave a dissertation. He talked about what mattered to him. He failed to answer the questions that mattered to my client. Mm. That was a pivotal moment for me because I decided that, first of all, he didn't listen to anything I, I suggested around how to handle that phone interview. And, and this is a very, very smart guy. Several degrees, loads of certifications. I work with the highest IQ smart people on the planet. And this person was no exception. What he lacked was the ability to listen. So from that experience, I decided I have to make this more simple. And I boiled it down to just a couple of things that I suggest people do. Uh, This is my secret sauce. So I'm going to give it away here today. If you're going to have a phone interview, I would suggest one thing. Listen very, very, very carefully to the entire first question that is asked of you. Do not write down the entire question. The idea that the human brain can multitask is nonsense. It does not work. You're either talking, you're listening, or you're writing. In this case, focus on listening. When you get to the end of that question, write down one word. Just one word that helps you stay focused on what that question was and make sure as you're answering that question, you're focusing on that one word. That's it. Okay. So I took my complexity and I boiled it down to one word. When the second question comes up, do the same thing. Listen, write down one word. If you try to write down the whole question, you're missing something. You cannot listen and write at the same time. Hmm. I've never heard that before. That is, uh, and I actually, I, I, I believe you on that because I struggle to take notes during a meeting, especially when I'm, you know, the the secretary for said meeting. Yeah, that's that's a tough spot to be in. So if, if you approach that interview with the idea that, I'm going to do everything I can do to serve this this person or this group of people. It starts with listening. 
Now, the, the challenge for technology, high IQ, gifted people is they love to tell, not listen. And what it takes to pull this off is just the opposite. You have to stop telling and start listening. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So <clears throat> we've taken your advice. We're listening. We kill the phone interview. What would you tell this candidate? Okay. Now they're going into a live interview. Like what are some of the things, and I, I know it's very hard to boil this down, and, and I want to touch on a lot of the coaching stuff that you do, but, but in general, like, what are things that just, if you had, you know, five minutes to prep somebody before they went into an interview, like, what are the tips that you would, you know, send with them? Great loaded question. All right. <laughs> so, I'm first good at of all, if I were going to an interview – I would call that company and talk to someone at the front desk. Okay. And I would find out what the dress code is in that company and find out how they expect you to show up. In fact, I would even ask that person, when people show up for interviews, how are they expected to dress? And get a roadmap. Don't, don't assume. This, this didn't used to be a difficult thing to do. When I started recruiting years ago, um, we, we put everybody in a suit and tie, and I knew my client. I knew where they were going. I knew how, what the dress code was. We don't know anything anymore. Yeah. So yeah. even the most fancy financial services company may have a, a casual Friday, and if you show up on a Friday in a suit and tie, you look like, you know, you look like a, a sore thumb. Mm -hmm. So make sure you know the audience that you're going to and know how to dress. Um, next thing I would suggest is even if you're talking to someone that you've already spoken to on the phone, assume that the people on the other side of the table don't know anything about you and be willing to answer the same questions all over again with the same energy and excitement that you answered on the phone. Mm -hmm. Assume that nobody has had time to look at your resume. Okay. And if you're walking in the door, I would carry, um, you know, in, in whatever you're carrying, I would carry at least a half dozen printed resumes that you could offer to put on the table for the people who didn't receive one from wherever they're supposed to get them. Yeah. Yeah. So in other words, don't assume anything. Ask. Okay. You'll, you'll find a theme in the things I'm going to talk about. And the theme is ask, 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 and ask again. Okay. So what else? What else, what else would they, would you? Well, ask? again, the listening skills are priceless. Uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. I had a search at one point that had been open for six months. The company called. I figured out why it had been open for six months. I figured out what they were missing in other candidates. And I delivered three people. One person went in and proceeded to tell everybody how he would build a security program. And in this mm -hmm. case, there were, there were eight people on the panel to one candidate. It's kind of intimidating. Yeah. 
So he didn't take any time to, to probe. He just went in and said, here's how I build programs. Second person went in, did pretty much the same thing. Um, both of them bombed the interview. Mm-hmm. Third person went in and he actually did what I suggested to him. He went in and he started asking questions. He realized there's eight different people in his audience that obviously they don't all care about the same things. Yeah. Yeah. He, he went about trying to figure out what does each person care about. Then when they asked their questions, he had a frame of reference. And even before he answered questions, he would he would ask a probing question to make sure he was on the right track before he started talking. He absolutely nailed the interview. I know this because while he was in the elevator leaving this tall Chicago building, the chief compliance officer for the company called and he said, we love this guy. We want to make him an offer. Have you heard from him? <laughs> and, and truly, it, it, it turns out that he was in the elevator. So, no, I hadn't heard from him. And yeah. by the way, that guy is still there. And I think I placed him about eight years ago. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. That's so awesome. his approach was completely different than everyone else. He sought to learn as opposed to tell. Yeah. And then eventually he did tell, but he, he ended up telling people what they needed to know, not what he wanted to talk about. There's a vast difference. I like that. I like that. So I want to talk about something that, that I have, I have heard from other recruiters um, and I have been guilty of this. Um, and that's, you know, common courtesy to a recruiter. Um, you know, if you're going for other job interviews, um, you know, what is it? I, I almost feel like it's insecurity that makes people do this. I know when I did this, I was not necessarily upfront and that was not cool, but, um, you know, have you ever been, you know, sort of left high and dry by a candidate who accepts a job offer and then, Oh, never mind, This other one came in and how, how, what's your experience been like with that? Well, I, I, I almost, I almost said, yeah, I've seen it all. And as soon as I say I've seen it all, I'm going to see something different tomorrow. So I won't mm-hmm. say that. The way I'm going to answer that question is, is at a little bit higher level, if that's okay. Yeah, totally. Someone asked me the other day, what, what do you think the greatest skill is for the 21st century in, in technology and in business? And my answer came out pretty quickly. It's not knowing how to talk. It's not knowing how to text, how to, how to Skype, how to instant message, and so on and so forth. It's not the mechanism. It's actually knowing when and how to communicate. Mm. So in light of your question, if you're going to work with a, a recruiter, that person needs to earn your, your trust. And if they do, give them courtesy. Communicate. Let them know you have something else going on. That person can only help you to the extent that you position them to help you. 
There's no recruiter on the planet who's psychic. They don't know what you're doing and what's going on. If you really want their help and if you believe they have your best interest at heart, and that's their job, by the way, to create that environment, mm-hmm. you've got to give them information if you want their help. So what else? Give me a little bit more about that. Like, like what would you, what would you, if you were trying to place me on a position, right? What information would you want me to share with you ahead of time? Obviously we've talked about, Hey, I'm going for other things. Like what have been things that come back and bite candidates, you know, basically out of insecurity? Like what are the things that, you know, you wish, God, I wish I would have known that earlier because I would have offered you counsel this way. Well, one of those topics would be toying with a counteroffer. Okay. So I would strongly suggest that you figure out what your strategy is to deal with a counteroffer before you actually are sitting in front of a counteroffer. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time, and I'm sure there's always going to be an exception you could bring up, but um, I've recruited for a long, long time. Most of the time when a company makes a counteroffer, it's not for you, it's for them. You, yeah. you back them into a corner. They don't know what to do. Maybe you have a really high in demand skill set that's going to be difficult to replace. And all of a sudden, you're now worth more money or you're worth a promotion or something. My question to you would be, why weren't you worth more money last week? And why didn't you get a promotion last week before your company was backed into the corner? Yeah. Yeah. So make sure you sort all that out before you go out on a job search process. And you know exactly how you're going to handle that situation. My advice is if you have very clear reasons why it's time to move on, stick to those reasons and keep looking forward. Don't look in the rearview mirror. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that uh, 100%. You know, when I, when I made my latest, you know, my latest career movement and I, I jumped back into consulting again. Um, the employer that I was at, they, they did make me a counteroffer and it was just, it was pretty good, but you know, I had to take a step back and go, wait, I am miserable at this job. Why would I want to stay here? I decided I wanted to go somewhere else and uh, statistically, I don't, I don't know what the statistics are. I've read a lot of numbers, but there is a high percentage of they make you a counteroffer and you're, you know, laid off, fired, demoted, whatever, uh, fairly, fairly quickly in turn. And I, I would be curious to see if anybody's actually done the statistics on that to see if that's a real thing or not. But boy, just, just from talking to people that, that certainly seems like a, like a truth to me. Well, I, I don't know exactly what those statistics are. I've seen uh, studies or reference to studies over the years. What I know in reality is people come to me for a lot of different reasons. And one of those reasons is they're in the wrong position. They don't quite know what the right position is. Mm-hmm. I, call it, I call it stuck. 
Okay. They don't know if they should turn left or turn right or go forward or in some cases maybe even go backwards. Maybe they're on the wrong, you know, wrong set of tracks altogether. Yeah. But those things need to be sorted out before you go take your stuff to somebody else and interview for their job. Know exactly where you're going and why you're going there. And then a counteroffer is an irrelevant conversation. You've already made your decision for the right reasons. You're not being swayed emotionally because all of a sudden there's a little more money. I can tell you this, miserable at $80,000 is no different than miserable at $135,000. And it doesn't get any better at $200,000. You've got to put yourself in front of the right job in the first place. Yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about that because that sort of dovetails into the the whole coaching piece, and I, I think for a lot of IT and security folks, this is just far out of left field and not, I mean, not something that most people have considered or or would do. But sort of explain this process because I was I was really fascinated when we connected a few a few weeks ago to to plan this interview and to just sort of catch up on what you've been into the past couple of years. Okay. So uh, about, about five years ago, uh, I, I went through some pretty significant life changing experiences. I, I, I almost died. Uh, a paramedic in the back of an ambulance kept me alive. I'll, I'll keep it at that. But I came out of that experience And I started looking at life a little bit differently. And I came to the conclusion that most people go through life settling for what they can do. And they never stop and really figure out what they should do. So I've made it my mission, specifically over the last five years, to figure out how to help people solve that problem. Most people that I deal with, and it happens at all points in a career, can be in, in someone's 20s, 30s, 40s, even 50s, all the way up to the 60s. Mm-hmm. I run into people who really have never figured out what they should do when they grow up. Yeah. And that's, that's a problem that can be solved. I help people solve that problem. And I help them figure out how they're uniquely wired. What, in other words, what their DNA looks like. Yours is different than mine. Mine's different than the next person and so on and so forth. Once you figure that out, then you're in a position, if you choose to, to either choose to align your giftedness with the work that you go chase down, or you can disregard it. Some people just go through the exercise, they get, they get a report, they have some, you know, some academic information to feed their IQ, but they never internalize the information, and they never make it part of who they are. So, so let's talk about those components and, and what that, you know, if people were to want to come and get coaching with you and it's the thing that I always struggle with a little bit is, and I'll just throw this out there. I know Jeff and I trust Jeff. There's a lot of quote unquote coaches that I just would not trust. Um, and so you know, I, I want to, before we go too much farther, Jeff, like not everybody is going to want 
to reach out to you because they don't live in Colorado and maybe they want somebody, you know, that's local to them and they don't feel comfortable with doing stuff online, which is what you do. And I, I personally would be fine with that. But if somebody was looking for a coach that wasn't necessarily you, how, what are what are some things you can look for? Like, how can you tell somebody is legit versus, hey, I, I, I read a book and so I'm certified and come pay me money to tell you stuff? Results. Okay. So regardless of where someone is, what their approach to coaching is, if I were looking for a coach, and I use coaches, by the way, I practice okay. what I preach. I, I have people who, who help and guide me, and I turn around and help and guide other people. Okay. Um, I would look for people who are gifted to coach, just like you are gifted to work in technology. Okay. I, I think that everybody on the planet is gifted to be great at something. So make sure you find a coach who's actually gifted to be great at coaching. And you're right. There are a lot of coaches that don't have the results to back up their words. So what would that, what would that look like? Would that look like, you know, like perfect example, if you go to, if you go to Jeff, it's jeffsnydercoaching.com, right? That's right. So if you go to jeffsnydercoaching.com, you're going to see a bazillion recommendations, but, um, I, you know, I would say, I would call that, you know, social proof, you know, the, the social media marketing term for that is social proof, right? Like here's a bunch of other people. Um, but you know, I almost feel like, you know, what sometimes you have to manage your manager and sometimes you have to interview a coach a little bit. Like what are some things, because, you know, you could theoretically fabricate all of the, all of the stuff on your website. And I know security people, we tend to be a little bit paranoid, right? So what are some questions? I tell people that I work with the world's most gifted paid paranoid professionals. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I don't mean disrespect by that, but I work with people who've worked in the FBI, the Secret Service, the CIA, NSA. They're paranoid people. You know, yeah. That's just who they are. So to, to address your, your very first question there, it's the most important thing. If you can't trust that coach, run. Okay. So regardless of what my testimonials say, um, if you get on the phone with me and you don't believe me, if you don't trust me, if we don't click, there's not chemistry there. Don't work with that person, me included. So you should be able to ask a coach to tell you what is your ideal client? What's their profile? What, you know, what, what, what's their background? What are their skills? What do they bring to the table versus what, what do you bring to the table? And the answer to both of those questions ought to be crystal clear. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's talk a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about that for you. What is your ideal person that you work with? Like, or, you know what, actually I'm going to, I'm going to change my question a little bit here. Um, because I do want to talk about the social proof because your website does have some pretty phenomenal 
results in it. What would you say, like, in the last six months, what has been the most, like, sort of blew your mind change that you've seen with somebody that you've coached? Wow. I have, a, I have a lot of different stories. Uh, I measure my worth as a coach, by the way, by the results my clients are achieving. Okay. Period. So it doesn't matter what my opinion is. If my clients aren't getting results from the work we're doing together, I need to go back to the drawing board or go find something else to do for a living. Yeah. So I'll give you a, a couple of examples. Um, I have a, a CISO who's about 40 years old, so he's kind of mid-career, mm-hmm. who came to me um, seven months ago with probably some of the, the most gifted brilliance of anyone that's ever come to me. He's, he's rocket science smart. And he knew he had some limitations. Uh, well, I didn't know when I first met him, but I had him take a strengths assessment. So I know exactly how he's wired. I can now see where some of his successes and potential failures might be coming from. I also had him take an emotional intelligence assessment that I'm, I'm trained and certified to work around. And we found some, um, we found some behavioral issues that lined up directly with some of the reasons he was stuck. So first and foremost, he had to bring the want to, to our equation. He had to have the want to, to make the changes he needs to make to get to the next level. Well, we've been working together now for six or seven months. Mm -hmm. Our last phone call, he's, I'm not talking. He's talking. He's talking about the things that have happened, the results, since he started behaving like a human being and, and not so much like a robot. <laughs> These are his words, right? Uh, he, he's talked to me about how I've helped him to recognize the right side of his brain. Mm-hmm. It's always been there. But he didn't understand how to operate with things like empathy empathy and humility. He didn't usually ask people questions. He told people things. He's the smartest guy in the room all the time. Yeah. So he has made those kinds of adjustments. And now the results he's getting are people are coming to him. They're asking for his advice. They're asking him to please come to their meetings. He has achieved what I call trusted advisor status. Everybody wants a piece of him. Everybody wants his input because they know he's the smartest guy in the room, but now he doesn't behave that way. So we've worked worked on his self-awareness, which has led to self-confidence. When you have self-confidence, you don't need to show it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's been a complete turnaround for him. Uh, I have another client who, it's a woman that I've known for about five years. I met her when I stood on a stage speaking in Dallas, Texas about five years ago. And she came to me with some similar issues. Now, she works in consulting. She's not in a corporate you know, CISO mm-hmm. kind of role. She's okay. a cybersecurity consultant. Her goal is to become 
the greatest trusted advisor that any of her clients have ever encountered. Now she is not in sales. She is not in business development. She just closed a $1 million deal for her company, displacing a big four firm. Wow. That's impressive. Oh, her, her, her results are off the map bigger than anything we, we ever dreamt that she would accomplish. But as we look back at everything we've been working on for the last year, every single element of the coaching that we've been working on together, it all lined up to closing that $1 million deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that's a, a second example. I have a third example that's fresh as yesterday. Okay. I'm working okay. with a pastor. A pastor who's been in a church setting for the last 13 years. And he came to me and he said, I, I want to do something different. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> well, I helped him to figure out what his natural giftedness is. Half of his giftedness is communication and people. That's what he's been doing. Yeah. But he worked in a church of a thousand people. He handled all the technology, the video, the, the, the door locking systems, the video surveillance, the, the sound systems. I had him put together a list of everything technical he's ever done. And I was shocked. I, I had no idea that somebody could do that much in a church. So we, we built two different flavors of resumes. One of them speaks to an IT job. Mm-hmm. So fast, fast forward. He just got an offer yesterday in a hospital to work as an IT guy. He's never had that title before. That's awesome. And the way he got there was he had just enough technology skill, but the way he won the offer is he went in and he asked brilliant questions of the interviewer. He found out that the interviewer placed extremely high value on communication and people skills. Well, that's exactly what my client has. Yeah. And he's gifted that way. He, he knows from our coaching, he knows how to articulate that giftedness. And it, it hit a grand slam. I'm trying hard not to use his name. Right? I work confidentially with people. Yeah. Right. So that, that, that's, that's one end of the spectrum. The CISOs at a completely different end of the spectrum. The consultant is sort of in the middle of that spectrum. Mm-hmm. All three of them, we started out with a process to help them understand exactly who they are, as well as exactly who they're not. One is just as important as the other. So when you can go into a job market, you can go to an interview, you can go to work, you know exactly what you're gifted to be great at, and you know precisely when to say, no, that's not me. That's powerful. And that leads to self-confidence that most people don't carry. Yeah. Yeah. I call it clarity, by the way. Clarity. I like clarity. That's good. So, um... I want to talk. I want to touch on this this concept of, you know, coaching because, it, ironically enough, and and you know this, but my listeners don't know this. Um, I worked in 
it for a number of years in California, and I was doing network engineering for a road construction company of all the most bizarre places of this to happen. But, you know, for somebody who literally makes money selling dirt and rocks, they were very forward thinking. And they had this program that did a lot of things for their employees. And one of them was this strengths assessment. Um, it was no, nowhere near the level of what Jeff provides, I don't think, but um, <clears throat> it was pretty, it was pretty eye-opening for me. Um, and definitely my skill set, especially for somebody who's in IT is super weird. Um, but, you know, the interesting part to me is a lot of people that I have talked to don't necessarily understand that or they don't get the value in it. So, you know, if somebody wanted to do this, Jeff, like give them, you know, give them like a minute that they might be able, you know, a minute worth of thought so that they could write a business justification to see if their, if their company would pay for it. That's my first question for you. And my second question for you, because I believe in this so much that if your company won't pay for it, you should pay for it yourself. Tell people why they should pay for it themselves if their company won't. Okay. By the way, I'm writing down your two words. Okay. Because nice. I'm as human as anyone I work with, and I have the same problem. My mind wants to go to where I want to go, and I want uh -huh. to stay focused on what you want to know. Okay. So, company justification. The world would be a different place if everybody knew exactly what their giftedness was, and they aligned that giftedness with their chosen work. So the tool that I use is called this, the Clifton Strengths Assessment. It's owned by the Gallup organization. The Gallup organization uh, is the organization that during election times conducts presidential polls. Yeah. Right? Some, some people may know, some people may not know that. So they're very, very good at crunching numbers. 17.9 mm -hmm. million assessments around the globe growing by the minute. Mm -hmm. So... If companies would take the time, and this is this is really strategic stuff I'm talking about, if they would take the time to figure out exactly and precisely what they needed in a position in order for that that position to be filled by the right person who's going to succeed, and then we had the right person coming to that interview who knew exactly what they had to bring to the table, mm -hmm. we could change what I'm about to tell you. So for the last 17, maybe 18 years now, Gallup has run a survey on work satisfaction around the world. I'll just focus on the United States for the moment. 30% of people go to work every day and qualify as engaged. They love what they do. They're the ones that make 80% of things happen. Mm, that's on the other side of that coin, 70%, and this number goes up and down by a, a point or two, just like an election poll, 70% mm -hmm. over 17 or 18 years go to work and qualify as being disengaged. 
a percentage of those people are severely disengaged. They're the ones that are cancerous and pull everybody else down with them. Yeah. This, this is consistent research. It's, it's all over our country. So the person who wants to go through this experience, the justification would be, once I've gone through this experience, Mr. Employer, I can show you exactly and precisely where my best performance lies. If you want to get the very most out of me as someone you've invested in, let me go find out what I'm, what I'm potentially great at and then help me get aligned with that kind of work before you create expectations for me. Hmm. So what happens for the employer is they get someone whose output is over the top. What happens for the individual is their job satisfaction puts them in that engaged zone and gets out of that disengaged, oh, geez, I have to go to work on Monday mindset. Yeah, yeah. That's the company side. I'm glad you asked the other side because I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. The world has absolutely changed. The idea that anyone can go to work for a company for 10, 20, 30 years, while it's not entirely impossible, it's highly unlikely in the 21st century. Yeah. Um, There's a professor at Harvard who's teaching her students to think about the gig economy as opposed to go get a career on Wall Street. What that means is, and I'm going to throw a little bit of my opinion into this equation, most people need to stop thinking about being someone's employee. They need to think about themselves as the owner of their own corporation. You're the corporation. Yeah. I, created, I created this idea several years ago called your personal stock value. Your personal stock value rises and falls based on what you bring to the table that the marketplace either cares about or doesn't care about. So, for example, when you write a resume, if you write the resume about all things that you care about and put it in front of an audience, but they don't care about the same things, game over. This is why you get stopped at the gate by the gatekeepers, by the way. If, on the other hand, you find out what the audience cares about, you go stack up the skills and certifications and training and education that the audience values, you get an invitation to come in and interview. It works at the entry level. It works in the middle. It works at that C-suite level. It's always about you and it's for another audience of people. Let's start there instead of starting with you. Hmm, so I like that. So the, the, the answer to your question is if you're managing your own corporation and you are the corporation, you need to invest in yourself like no other time before. Companies used to provide lots of training dollars more and more companies aren't providing any training dollars. They see you as someone who's going to come in, solve a problem, and then you're expendable. It is what it is. Yeah. So you can either keep operating in the old way with the old expectations 
and sit around and get mad that your company doesn't want to give you training dollars, or you can act like the owner of your own corporation and set aside a certain amount of training dollars to get yourself polished and trained every calendar year. Make sure you keep yourself as marketable as humanly possible. That's the 21st century. That's the economy that we live in now. Yeah. And I, I think I 100% agree with you. You know, there's a there's an amazing quote from somebody who's, I don't think he's that polarizing anymore, but, but Jay-Z has this quote that I love. And I think about it all the time because uh, it, it defines who I am now. And it's, I'm not a businessman. I'm a business man. And it's like, it is a complete mind shift. And, you know, I had that, that old school mentality that you talk about, Jeff. I had that mentality of, you know, it, it ultimately led me to getting fired from a company that I worked at because I was, I was pissed off. I didn't want to go to training for this thing that my company was asking me to do. Um, I wanted to do something else entirely. Um, and then when I finally went to training for it, you know, I didn't really pay attention and I didn't keep my other skills up. And ultimately it was my bad attitude and 100% my fault that led to me getting fired because I was that 70%, not even the 70%. I was in the, you know, whatever percent, you know, I think the term is actively disengaged. I was toxic, man. It was a, it was a terrible, terrible place to be. And, you know, I got fired and I was sitting on my couch. I will never forget it. I was sitting on my couch, pissed off, upset. And I had just made the decision, you know what? This is ridiculous. You know, I had these plans that I was going to get a CCNP, right? And I had been talking about it for months, right? Oh, I, I want to move into security and I want to get my CCNP security. Um, but there was always, oh, my kids were sick or, oh, I got I to gotta travel and I got to do this and I got to do that. And it was always an excuse for me to let myself be okay without investing in myself. And, you know, it's, it's funny you bring this up and, and guys, I promise I don't prompt my guests, but I, I don't talk to them about stuff, but, um, I, I started a, I started a Reddit flame war the other night because I responded to a few people and, um, this guy was, that was posting on the IT career forums that, oh, I'm just so frustrated. You know, I, all I ever do is um, change toner cartridges and like take stupid tickets. And, you know, I responded to the guy and I'm like, well, I, I don't mean to be rude, but like, what other skills do you have? Like, are you actively investing in yourself? Well, my company won't provide me training is what he said. And I'm just like, okay, so go do something like, like, there's very cheap ways to train yourself. Um, and the guy's like, well, I shouldn't have to do that. My company should do that. And I was blown away at what I responded. And I said, I actually don't think your company should train you. Um, I think you should train yourself and get a new job. That's what I've done. And I, you know, it was, it was slightly ranty. I'll admit I was, I was, I was a little bit blown away, but oh my God, like, Dozens and dozens and dozens of people are like, I don't want to do that. I just want a job for 25 years and then retire. And it's ridiculous that I should have to train myself. And why should I make myself learn skills to just benefit the man? And I, I, how do you, how do you talk to that, Jeff? Like, 
Like if you were talking to an actively disengaged person, how do you shake them out of that mentality that I want to call it entitlement? Like I don't know another word for it, but like how do you speak to that and say, no, like you are awesome. You're worth it. You need to take care of you, not somebody else. Well, the truth is, if you go back to what I told you earlier about knowing my ideal client, mm-hmm. um, I'm not really super gifted to work with what I call a broken person. Okay. I'm super gifted to work with somebody who's in a good place who wants to get to a great place. Hmm. So the, the, the challenge you're describing is a mindset issue. It's a, it, it's a required paradigm shift. Yeah. And, and the paradigm shift is you, you have to stop thinking of yourself as someone's employee. And you have to start thinking of yourself as the owner of your own corporation. And you're, you're it. You're the CEO. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want that corporation's stock value to rise... Well, let's go out to the marketplace. And this is part of my coaching. I teach my clients how to, how to do this for themselves so they have a skill they can run with the rest of their career. You always have to go find out what matters to the people that will pay you money. And if you mm. fail to do that, your, your value, your stock, your worth will go down. Yep. Or you may find yourself completely unemployable at some point because you're irrelevant. Yeah. So it it takes, it starts with intention. Most people don't have the intention to think of themselves as the CEO of their own corporation. It's, it's a, it's a brand new idea for a lot of people. Wow. I never, never thought like that. Well, what I'm suggesting to you is you, you probably ought to start thinking like that. And you ought to be constantly, constantly sharpening your blade to make sure it can still cut. Yeah. Um, I'll give you an an example if it's okay. Yeah, go for it. I I placed someone about eight years ago into a director level role. Okay. He was one of the sharpest guys I think I've ever had the privilege of, of placing. Well, eight years have passed. He's now... 60 years old. He called me not long ago and he said, I've got one more game in my, in my shoes. Okay. What does that mean? (laughs) Okay. And I asked, I said, what, tell me what you're absolutely great at. He couldn't answer the question. Most people can't, by the way. Okay. It's that self-awareness I was talking about. And I, and I started talking to him about, you know, where he's been, what he's done. Well, Without giving away too much, he's working in an organization for the last six years. He found a, relatively speaking, a long-term place to go. Mm -hmm. He's their CISO. Okay. And over those six years, my opinion is somebody really dulled his blade. Mm. He's not as sharp. He's not as peppy. He's not as impressive. He's not as engaged as he was when I placed him eight years ago. It happens. It happens to everybody. So what I'm suggesting is that's what happens when you don't constantly work on improvement. 
and you don't constantly have a plan to keep sharpening your blade, the blade will get dull. Absolutely. Around. It, it gets rusty. Yep. yep. So the people that the, the people who, who have the mindset of the gentleman you just described, um, I'll spend a few minutes with them and I'll ask them some tough questions. And I'll even push back a little bit. But if they don't want to go down that path, I don't really waste a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to work with people who have the want to. So you started to ask this. I'll just volunteer and hope, hope it's okay and it fits. That's fine. I, Go for I it. I went into 2017 thinking that my coaching equation was 50% my how-to matching up with 50% of your want-to. I, I got to the end of 2017, a little more wisdom, a little more experience. I did an audit of all the people that I had been fortunate to coach throughout the year. I looked at the ones that had the greatest results, and I mean some off-the-charts results. And I looked at the ones that I don't think had great results at all. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to know why, because I want all of my clients to have excellent results. And it bothered me that some of them, at least I don't think anyway, I don't think they got those excellent results. And what I came to, the conclusion I came to was that my equation was all wrong. It's actually 90% your want to, 10% my how to. Yeah. The want to part is what the guy you talked about in the chat situation, he doesn't have the want to. Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't yeah. mean you'll never have the want to, but right now that, that guy doesn't have the want to. I'm not, a, I'm not a cheerleader. I'm a performance coach. So if you want to perform, I can show you how to do it. But if you need motivation, you might want to start with some books. It's a okay, so way to do it, and you know you can do that at your own pace. Yeah, give give us some recommendations. Like if people feel like I don't know what the hell to do, and I I seem a little lost. What what is your what is your go to book? Like like give us a suggestion or two, and I'll put it in the show notes. Okay, well I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it a little broad, but I'll answer your question. Okay. There came a point in my recruiting career where I stopped going to train the recruiter events. Okay. I stopped going to stop buying and subscribing to recruiter, recruiter, recruiter stuff. Okay. Because what I discovered is the guys in the nineties were regurgitating what the guys created in the eighties. Okay. And in the two thousands, that, that crop of trainers was regurgitated. It was the same stuff, just repackaged. Yeah, and yeah. What I did is I, I went out and I started seeking training that was around my business, but not directly in my business. Hmm. So here's my suggestion to technology people. Go find some books, go find some, go find an author that you, you connect with, somebody you like, who doesn't work in technology. Maybe they work in sales, marketing, business development. Maybe they're a motivational kind of person. And it's different for everyone, so that's why I don't want to really give specific books. But go, go, to, the, go to the bookstore. I think they still exist, right? Um, <laughs> There's like six left, I think. I think. Once in a while, you can go actually put your hand on a book. 
and, and go thumb through the books, read the back cover, look at the recommendations. Yeah. Find something that's going to help to develop a different facet of who you are than just pure IQ technology driven things alone. Yeah. I, I have 20 books on my desk that I work out of all the time. Nice. Psychology books, emotional intelligence books, books on strengths. Uh, I, I read books written by multimillionaires. Mm-hmm. I want to know, how, how do you get to where those people are? Well, let's go pick their brain. They wrote it in the book. Yep. And model some of those success habits that other people have already proven work. And chances are you're not going to find that at, at your local technology meeting. It's true, but you should still go to meetups. Oh, you, you should go to those things too, but go with a different expectation. Yes. I tell people that they need to go to meetups and they need to go to user groups, but they are not there to learn anything. They are 100% there with their phone. Hey, I'm Preston. I work for fill in the blank. I'm, you know, I'm whoever I work for fill in the blank. I love this technology. What do you do? Listen to them. Like actually listen to them. That's super cool. Hey, are you on LinkedIn? Let's connect. Boom. Right there. And you know, you know, we touched on a little bit my, you know, my experience of getting fired. I think when I, I think when I got let go, I maybe had 150 connections on LinkedIn and most of them were recruiters and people that were at the company that I had just gotten fired from. Not helpful for job searching at all. And nobody knew me. Nobody knew my skills. And the only people that did know me were like recruiters from India and um, folks from a place that I left a little bit in disgrace. And so I just decided, I'm like, I need to go meet some people. I need a wider net because this can't ever happen again. And so, you know, over the last five years since that happened, I've gone from, you know, 100 and change to well over, I think I'm up close to 1600 connections. And those are not like, Oh, Hey, how are you? Those are like, honest to God, I've had a conversation with you. I remember how I connected with you people. They may not remember me, but I remember them. So. Hey Preston, I know this is your podcast. Mm -hmm. Would you mind if I, if I uh, went out something to you? No, I'm all for coaching. Okay, well, I love what you've done here. And for anyone who's listening, uh, this is a rare guy. Think about how many people in your life have made major mistakes, enough to get fired. And they have the courage on the back end to talk about it and to own up to it. And most importantly, to go figure out why did that happen so I can make it not happen again. Yeah. That's a tremendous st- statement to you. I just wanted to make sure people know that. And I would encourage everybody not just to look at what you're great at, what your successes are, but let's take some time to look at where you where you stumbled, where you where you fell. Yeah. So if you interviewed with me, I'm going to ask you. And I have to tell you most people are are kind of okay at talking about what they think the interviewer wants to know, Mm -hmm. how they're great. 
most people are like deer in headlights when I ask them to talk to me about their greatest failure. And the truth is, I don't care what their failure is. If they're human, they have failed. We all fail at things. What I'm listening for is, did you have the resilience to get back up, to wipe the blood off if it, you know if it was a bloody experience, <laughs> to get your vision focused again, to to get back, you know, you know, back in a position where you're moving forward. I have I got some advice when I was 26 years old that I've never forgotten. It was actually my financial planner. We were having lunch. He's probably 15, 20 years older than me. And he looked at me across the table and he said, he said, Jeff, I appreciate your struggle. I've been there. Are you willing to do something if I give you advice? I said, yeah, sure I am. Well, be, be, be careful when you say yes. You may get something you don't really want to do. <laughs> okay. uh, Dan said, you need to get back up on that horse, put on your steel jock strap, your goggles, and your helmet, and ride. Wow. Yep. That was coming from across the table from a big six-foot-four bald guy. He, he stopped me dead in my tracks. He made me realize, okay. I failed. It's okay to fail, but you, you got to clean up that story, figure out why you failed and put it in your rear view mirror. In fact, better than that, put it in the trunk and rip out the rear view mirror and just look through the windshield and go. Yeah. That's life. And that's coming from a guy who almost died. Uh, I'm back on my feet. I'm going to go play hockey tonight. I'm living yeah, life. I'm not letting life live me. Yeah. And that's part of what I bring to my coaching clients. It's a mindset adjustment. Are you going to let your circumstances drive you? Or are you going to figure out how to work through your circumstances and keep on trucking? Yeah. You know, I, 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 I love that. And I thank you for the compliment. I appreciate it. I You're just welcome. wanted, I want to share with people and I, you know, our society has stupid taboos. And one of them is, you know, you know, you don't, you don't talk about getting fired. Oh no. Like that's so shameful. Screw that. Like I got fired cause I was a dumbass. I was a troll. I was disengaged. <laughs> and you know what? I'm, I'm big enough to admit that. And I won't let that happen again. And like, you know, I had this this opinion that, well, oh, I found this great place and I'm going to retire here. Like, look at these guys. They're 60. They've been there since, you know, it was an oil company. So they've been there since, you know, we had 17 wells and, you know, look how good the company is taking care of them. Flash forward, by the way, a couple years ago, they all got laid off and they liquidated a bunch of the retirement stuff. So uh, your company doesn't really care about you. And if you think that financial things they'll choose you over bottom line they won't and that is a reality um and i love what you have to say jeff because you have to manage your own career and no one else will do it for you and you know I love hanging out with entrepreneurial people. And the reason I love entrepreneurs is they talk about what they suck about all the time. And it's it, like, 
I, I find the honesty amazing. Like, oh man, I tried this and it was a complete and utter failure. And I think, honestly, I think people learn way more from failing than they do from success. Because most of the time you succeed, you're like, well, I think it was this, maybe it was that, I'm not really sure, but yay. But when you fail, you're like, oh no, it was that thing. You know, that is where it all went wrong. So, well, Jeff, let's, uh, let's wrap things up here really quick. Where can people find you uh, online and what, what parting wisdom would you, would you share with them? Well, I can be found at Jeff Snyder, Snyder like the pretzels, S-N-Y-D-E-R, JeffSnyderCoaching.com. Okay. And my, my, my parting wisdom is before you go to anybody's website looking for help from anybody, check your mindset first because nobody can help you to get to where you want to go if you're not willing to do what it takes to get to where you want to go. So remember, I changed my equation from a 50-50 split to, you know what, I'm not that important. I'm, I'm 10% at most. My client needs to bring the 90% want to. There is nothing that can replace the passion and the want to to get to a different place than wherever you are right now. Okay. I love it. Well, we'll leave um, links in the show notes, of course. And Jeff, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and just sharing with the listeners. And um, I look forward to talking to you soon as we'll be working together. And I also hope all of you listeners have a great day and we will talk to you soon. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I wanted to circle back around to something. You know, a lot of what I talk about is, hey, if you want to do something, just do it. Like, don't don't be afraid. Don't be freaked out. And so I am excited to tell you something that I'm going to do. I have been debating this a lot. And, you know, if you've been with me since the beginning, you know that my passion is really to help people, right? Like, I love my job. I love technology. And I will probably always continue doing that. But nothing really makes me quite as happy as helping people solve problems, specifically when they're like, God, I don't even know what to do with my tech career. So I wanted to basically make this announcement that if you're looking for a little bit of coaching or a little bit of LinkedIn advice, hit me up, man. Like I, I would love to help you. Now I'm probably not as expensive as you might think. Um, a lot of the LinkedIn people out there are super expensive. So here's what I want you to do. I don't want to turn people away just because of cost, right? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to my website and I want you to sign up. Um, there's going to be a box on there that says about us and down on the bottom, it, there's a contact button. Or if you want to click on the speak pipe thing on the right that says leave a voice memo or find me on LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Preston Kilburn. Um, and let's get together and let's talk because 
if you've listened to my podcast, you know, I'm pretty damn good at LinkedIn and I'm pretty good at the passive recruiting game, right? Because you kind of have to game recruiters a little bit. Um, And as much as it's annoying, sometimes you need to go change some words out for some other words on your LinkedIn profile. And for a lot of people, they start doing it and it looks just completely overwhelming. So let me help you with that. So reach out to me if you are interested. I would love to help you. Another thing I wanted to sort of just announce and give you guys just a little a little peek behind the curtains. I am working on a promo deal with um with a company and I'm pretty excited. I can't reveal the name right now, but one thing that I promised you in episode zero is I won't tell you about anything that I think is crappy and I won't promo anything that I haven't used and that I haven't used for a long time. Now, relatively a long time, but so I have two tools that I'm really excited about, but honestly, um, I want to verify a few things first to make sure that nobody's getting ripped off me, the company, or most importantly, you guys. So thanks for sticking around and listening to my outro. Again, if you're interested in a little LinkedIn or career coaching, specifically if you're a tech person and you're looking to improve your passive searchability, hit me up. I would love to help you with that. But if not, hey, Keep listening. I've got so many guests in the pipe and I am very excited to share them with you. I hope you have enjoyed listening and I hope you have a great day and I hope you're having a great week. Talk to you guys later.